Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, as we read the verses 16 through 23. Hear God's word. Now when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. And he came and dwelt at a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, this ends the reading of the Holy Word of God, and the text for the sermon today is taken from this passage that we have just read, and the last verse, Matthew 2, verse 23 and he, that is Joseph, came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Dear friends, deciding where to live is a difficult matter, especially for a young married couple. There are many factors to consider. The most important consideration is whether there's a good church close by. I'm often amazed how some people move to a region where there is no good church only to discover after they've moved that, well, there is no good church. But there are other considerations as well. We need to consider whether there are educational options for our children, whether the region is affordable, is there good health care available, are there enough employment opportunities, and so on. Well, Joseph and Mary were faced with a similar decision, only they did not have to consider the things that I have just mentioned. Most of those things would have been considered luxuries in those days. Their needs were more basic. The only thing that they had to consider was where they could live in safety. You may remember how shortly after Jesus was born, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews so that they could come and worship him and offer him their gifts. Matthew tells us about this earlier in our text chapter. And we read that after consulting with the religious leaders of the Jews, King Herod sent them to Bethlehem because according to Micah 5 verse 2, this is where the Messiah was to be born. But before they went, he made them promise to let him know where he could be found so that he too might come and worship him. Now, Herod, of course, had no intention of worshiping Jesus. He only wanted to kill him, lest Jesus try to usurp his throne, because as the wise men said, he was a king. And God, of course, knew this, and so he warned the wise men not to return to Jerusalem and certainly not to tell Herod where the baby Jesus could be found. At the same time, he warned Joseph and commanded him to take the baby Jesus and go to Egypt, which he did, and they remained there for some two to three years. 
Well, when the wise men failed to reappear in Jerusalem, Herod was very, very angry. And he issued a decree ordering all of the children in Bethlehem, two years old and under, to be killed. But a short time thereafter, Herod himself died. And consequently, God sent an angel who also appeared to Joseph in a dream. He told him that those who sought to kill Jesus were dead, and that he should therefore arise, take the young child and his mother, and go back to the land of Israel. And Joseph did as he was told. And eventually he settled in Nazareth, the place where they were from. Now Matthew writes about this in our text, Matthew 2, verse 23. And we read there, And he, that is Joseph, came and dwelt in a land called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, with the help of the Lord, let's reflect on the words of our text under this theme, Joseph settles in Nazareth. And we'll see that he did so, first of all, using his sanctified common sense, and secondly, resulting in further humiliation. Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus had been traveling for several days. It was a long and difficult journey. They had to travel many miles from Egypt across the desert of the Sinai Peninsula. But now at long last, like their ancestors many hundreds of years before them, they reached the border of the promised land, the land of Israel. Now we don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't say so in so many words, but it appears that initially at least Joseph had planned to settle down in Judea, probably in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And there were probably several reasons for this. First of all, Bethlehem was the ancestral home of King David. And what better place for Jesus to grow up than in the city of David, to whom God had promised that the Messiah would come from his line. Secondly, Bethlehem was in the region of Judea, which was the ancient home of the descendants of Judah to whom God had said through his father Jacob that the scepter would not depart from his line. Thirdly, Bethlehem was close to Jerusalem, which was the political and religious center of the Jews and where the temple was located. And for these and possibly other reasons, it seemed logical for Joseph to settle in Bethlehem. But that's not what happened. Instead, Joseph decided to settle far to the north of Judea, on the outskirts of Palestine, in Nazareth, in Galilee, where he and Mary had lived before the birth of Jesus. Now, why did he decide to settle there? Why did he not settle in Bethlehem, or at least someplace in Judea? Well, Matthew tells us in Matthew 2, verse 22, we read there that as soon as Joseph arrived in Judea, he learned that the region was being ruled over by a man called Archelaus. Now, Archelaus was a son of Herod the Great by his wife Malthus of Samaria. After Herod's death, Herod's kingdom was divided among three of his sons. Herod Antipas was made tetrarch of Galilee and Perea. Philip was made tetrarch of several territories in the north. And Archelaus was made ethnarch over Judea, Samaria, and Idumea. Now, an ethnarch is a 
slightly more important position than a tetrarch, but not quite a king. Well, we know very little about Archelaus, but we do know from the Jewish historian Josephus that he was a wicked and ruthless ruler just like his father. On one occasion, in fact, he brutally put down an armed uprising of the Jews, resulting in the death of some 3,000 people. He also deposed several high priests in Jerusalem to serve his own political ends. And because of this, Joseph rightly was afraid to settle there. Would Archelaus seek Jesus' life just as his father had done? Well, Joseph obviously didn't know, but after being warned by God in a dream, we read that he turned aside into the region of Galilee and eventually settled in the city of Nazareth the place where they lived before Jesus was born. Now, some say that God commanded Joseph to settle in Nazareth, but the text doesn't actually say that. It appears, therefore, that Joseph Joseph made this decision on his own. He considered all of the factors, he weighed all of the pros and the cons, and he used his own sanctified common sense and decided to settle In Nazareth. Now that could not have been an easy decision for him. Again, we can't say for sure because the Bible is silent on this, but it's likely that Joseph and Mary had left Nazareth in disgrace because Mary became pregnant out of wedlock. And we know for a fact that when Jesus became a man some 30 years later, one of the accusations that was slung at him was that he was born of fornication. We read of that in the Gospel of John. And that tells us that the gossip about Jesus' birth persisted even into his adult years. Well, if that is so, why Nazareth? Why did Joseph decide to settle there? Well, there's a number of possible reasons. First of all, it was familiar. Nazareth, after all, was where he and Mary lived before they left for Bethlehem. They had friends and probably family there, and Joseph used to earn a living there, and as such, it seemed like a natural place for them to go. Secondly, and perhaps more importantly, it was off the beaten track. During the time of the Lord Jesus, Nazareth was a small and insignificant agricultural village of probably no more than 500 inhabitants and was tucked away in the hills of Galilee far from any major trade routes and any major population centers. And as such, it afforded Joseph and his family a measure of seclusion. What better place for Jesus to grow up until such a time as he was ready to begin his public ministry than here in this off, out-of-the-way place called Nazareth. But most importantly, Nazareth and Galilee was outside the jurisdiction of Archelaus. Remember, we said that Archelaus was the ethnarch of Judea and Samaria. Galilee, where Nazareth was located, was ruled over by his brother Herod Antipas. Now, to be sure, Herod also was a wicked man. He was the one who later beheaded John the Baptist and at one point sought to kill Jesus too. Jesus at one point even called him a fox. But at this point, Joseph must have figured that he was better than his brother Archelaus. And so he settled in Nazareth. 
Now we can learn here an important lesson about how to discern the will of God. Every believer wants to know the will of God. In fact, many books have been written on this subject. We want to know what we should do for a living. We want to know whom we should marry. We want to know whether we should pursue this or that career path. But it's not always easy to know what God's will is. God doesn't always tell us, at least not in so many words. We can't expect to get a dream like Joseph did. Dreams were one way that God communicated to people in Bible times, but he doesn't ordinarily communicate like that today. Nor can we expect God to perform a miracle like he did with Gideon's fleece. Nor should we simply open the Bible and take direction from the first verse we read. Some people do that. But to be sure, we need to be guided in our decision-making process by scriptural principles. But we cannot always count on getting specific direction from the Word of God. Well, how then can we discern God's will? Well, one way is to do what Joseph did. It is to soberly assess your options. This is what Joseph did. He considered the fact that Archelaus was reigning in Judea. And he concluded that that could not be God's will for him to settle there. And so that door was closed and he was right. And so he decided on the next best option. He decided to settle in Nazareth of Galilee. And that's where the door was open. Dear friends, we need to do the same. When we are faced with a difficult decision, we must first of all bring the matter before the Lord in prayer. And then we must wisely assess the options, all of the pros and the cons of each decision, and then prayerfully, in dependence upon the Lord, make a decision and ask the Lord to bless that decision. Nothing more and nothing less. So Joseph decided to settle in Nazareth, and he did so using his sanctified common sense. But unbeknownst to him, this decision was a further humiliation for our Lord. And that brings us to our second point. Even though he was still a baby, our Lord had already endured much humiliation. When Mary gave birth to him, he was laid in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for him and his parents in the inn. His first visitors were not kings and queens. They were not the religious leaders in Jerusalem. They weren't Uh, The high priests, they were poor, lowly, and despised shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night. What is more, he and his parents had to flee to Egypt, as we've seen, because Herod was seeking to kill him. Jesus had experienced much humiliation, and now Joseph's decision to settle in Nazareth was still another humiliation. Why is that? Well, we read in our text, as follows. He came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now Matthew here declares that while Joseph made the decision to settle in Nazareth using his own sanctified common sense, in doing so he actually brought about the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus was raised in Nazareth so that he might be called a Nazarene. Now here we encounter a difficulty. The difficulty is 
that nowhere in the Old Testament do we read that Jesus would be raised in Nazareth or that he would be called a Nazarene. In fact, Nazareth is not once ever mentioned in the Old Testament. The place of his birth is mentioned. Bethlehem is mentioned in Micah 5 verse 2, as we've seen, but not the place where he grew up, not Nazareth. Well, how then can Matthew say that this was foretold by the prophets? Well, some have suggested that Matthew here was thinking of Isaiah 11 verse 1. And there Isaiah writes this. Speaking of the Messiah, he says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, the Hebrew word for branch is netzer, which some say is the root word of Nazareth. According to this view, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Matthew saw a connection between the Hebrew word netzer, meaning branch, and Nazareth, And the idea is that Matthew exploited this connection in order to prove to his mainly Jewish readers that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the branch. He is the netzer spoken of in Isaiah 11 verse 1. Now the problem with that view is that Matthew here is not thinking of one specific prophet. For one thing, he uses the plural word prophets. And for another thing, most of the time when Matthew quotes a specific prophet, He mentions his name. He'll say something like, as it was spoken by the prophet so-and-so, saying, and then he'll, he'll quote the words. But he doesn't do that here. Now, others have suggested that Matthew here is making a connection between the word Nazareth and Nazarite, which it's alleged is also derived from the same root word. Now, you may remember that a Nazarite was someone in the Old Testament who made a special vow to God that he would separate himself from worldly things and walk in the ways of the Lord. We can read about that in Numbers chapter 6. And so when Matthew observes that Jesus was called a Nazarene, he's simply saying that he was a Nazarite, one who was consecrated to God, which, by the way, is why artists often portray Jesus as having long hair and a beard because the Nazarites were forbidden to cut their hair. Now, the problem with this is that the context connects the word Nazarene with a place, which is Nazareth, not a certain status. What is more, Jesus never lived the life of a Nazarite. Nazarite, for example, was not allowed to touch a dead body or drink wine, but Jesus did both of these. Nor was Jesus ever called a Nazarite, even though he certainly fulfilled the type of the Nazarite in the sense that he was fully consecrated to God and his service. So where does this leave us? Well, perhaps the best interpretation is to simply take Matthew's words at face value. If you know anything about the culture of the time, the Jews, especially those from Judea, regarded anyone from Galilee as socially, culturally, and religiously backward. They were even regarded as half-heathen because of their close proximity to Phoenicia and Syria in the north and Samaria in the south. They were surrounded by Gentile nations. They even had a strange accent. Thus in Isaiah 9 verse 1, Galilee is called Galilee of the nations. And the word nations there can also be translated as Gentiles because of its proximity to these heathen nations. 
and the interaction of the people of Galilee with these people. Also, recall the time when Andrew told his brother Philip that he had found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael's response was, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? So to the people living at the time, anyone who was from Nazareth was to be despised. He was to be rejected because he was from Nazareth and he was from Galilee. So certainly the promised Messiah could never come from Nazareth. This was the way people thought. And so when Matthew says he shall be called a Nazarene, he means this pejoratively. He means that he would be despised and rejected. Now, which of the prophets foretold this? Well, Matthew, again, was not thinking of any prophet in particular, but he was thinking about the prophets as a whole, or even the whole Old Testament. The whole Old Testament is full of references to the fact that the Messiah would be despised and rejected by his own people. For example, perhaps the best example of this is in Isaiah 53, verse 3. And there we read about the Messiah that he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And there are many other examples of this. The Old Testament is full of references to the fact that the Messiah would be despised and rejected, and he was. In fact, no man was more despised and more rejected than Jesus of Nazareth. As we've seen, he was despised and rejected in his infancy. But he was also despised and rejected in his adult years when he began his public ministry. The religious leaders of the Jews constantly sought opportunities to trap him in his words. And they called him names, and they falsely accused him. They, they gossiped about him. They mocked and they ridiculed him. They called him the friends of publicans and sinners, a wine-bibber. On several occasions, they even sought to kill him. Even his own townsfolk, people of Nazareth, the people he grew up with, his friends, they also tried to kill him. They tried to throw him over the edge of a cliff. And in the end, his people, his covenant people, succeeded when they nailed him to the cross. Truly, Jesus was despised and rejected, more despised, more rejected than any man who had ever lived. His very name, Jesus of Nazareth, was a degradation. But Jesus bore it willingly and patiently, for it was part of the penalty he had to pay to redeem his people from their sins. Now, beloved, what a great comfort this is. First of all, if Jesus was called a Nazarene, then how much he loves us poor sinners. It is said that the lower love descends, the higher it is, and how true that is of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who was the eternal Son of God, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he who was co-equal, co-eternal, and co-essential with the Father and the Holy Spirit was willing to be called a Nazarene for us. I submit to you there is no greater love than that. Secondly, if Jesus was called a Nazarene, that means no one is beneath his dignity. He identified himself with the lowest of the low so that he might have dealings with all. And did he not demonstrate that as well throughout his earthly ministry? With whom did Jesus associate 
during his earthly ministry, not with the religious leaders of the Jews, not with the scribes and the Pharisees, not with the ruling classes, the Sadducees or the Romans, not with the wealthy and the influential, but with the common, the ordinary people, even the most despised and rejected of the common people, publicans and sinners and harlots, even Gentiles. So much so that he came to be called the friend of publicans and sinners. And he's still willing to do so today. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 29, the Apostle Paul describes the kind of people upon whom the Lord calls to himself. He writes, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. Well, these are the people whom Jesus came to save. Not those who are something, but those who are nothing. Not those who are full, but those who are empty. Not those who are rich, but those who are poor. Not those who are proud, but those who are humble. Not those who are high, but those who are low. Not those who are special, but those who are ordinary. The nobodies, the nothings, the despised ones, the rejected ones, the Nazarenes like himself. Well, does that describe you today? Are you a spiritual nobody, a nothing, a Nazarene? If so, I have good news for you. Jesus came to save people just like you. He is able and willing to take these nobodies, to make them prophets and priests and kings to his glory if you'll only repent of your sins and believe on his name and serve him with all of your heart. Jesus was called a Nazarene. But the day is coming, dear friends, when Jesus the Nazarene during his lifetime and still today was despised and rejected, mocked and ridiculed, will come again on the clouds of glory. And he will appear no longer as the despised and rejected Nazarene, but as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then every knee shall bow before him, also those of his enemies. And every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And those who are in him will reign with him in glory forever. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy and privilege to be able to preach to you the word of God every Sunday on this station. If you are blessed by, or if you have a comment on the message you've heard today, we would very much appreciate hearing from you. Won't you please take the time to write us a short note just to let us know that you're listening to this broadcast. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. And when you write, please indicate the call letters of this station. 
Please note that we do not send out CDs of our radio messages. However, you can access and download all of our messages at any time from our website. And the website address is www.banneroftruthradio.com. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed in your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can go to our webpage and make a donation right on our webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. Thank you for listening. And now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.